I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig with details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class a show that takes a freewheeling ride through history, one day at a time. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're looking at how a new national craze found its footing in an unexpected place and has gone on to enjoy successive waves of popularity ever since. The day was August 11th, 1866. James Plimpton opened the first public roller skating rink in the United States. The rink was housed in the converted dining room of the Atlantic House Hotel in Newport, Rhode Island. Plimpton had leased the trendy resort hotel as a way to introduce the sport of skating to the city. The proliferation of skating was a cause both true to his heart and his wallet, as Plimpton was not only the founder of the New York Roller Skating Association, he was also the inventor of the modern roller skate. The idea of skating around on wheeled shoes dates back to at least the early 1700s. The first known prototypes are generally credited to an anonymous Dutchman who wished to extend the fun of skiing into the warm summer months. His invention, known as skeelers, consisted of wooden spools nailed to strips of wood and attached to the soles of his shoes. It was a novel idea, but the use of them never really caught on. A few decades later, a Belgian inventor named John Joseph Merlin created the world's first indoor roller skate in the form of a metal-wheeled boot. Merlin debuted his creation with famously disastrous results, 
at a swanky masquerade party in London. He made a grand entrance by skating around the ballroom while also playing the violin. Unfortunately, the skates he designed didn't have any brakes, or even any way to be steered. As a result, Merlin promptly crashed into an expensive mirror, valued at about 500 pounds, and got himself pretty sliced up in the process. Oh, and he also broke his violin. In the 1800s, several other European cultures began experimenting with roller skates. In 1818, roller skates were used as a stand-in for ice skates during the performance of a German ballet in Berlin. A year later, Monsieur Petit Bledin of France received the world's first patent for a roller skate, and in 1823, Robert John Tyres of London invented a five-wheeled skate called the Rolito. The gradual adoption of roller skating continued over the next few decades, with England becoming the first country to open dedicated skating rinks in 1857. Up until that point, all of the various roller skate designs had been what we now call inline skates, with all of the wheels arranged in a single straight row. However, unlike modern inline skates, the early versions had their wheels attached directly to the soles of the skate. This design made the skates difficult to steer, as the straight line of the wheels was too rigid to be shifted one way or the other. All of that finally changed in 1863, when a New York City furniture dealer named James Plimpton patented a new four-wheeled roller skate that allowed the wearer to turn on command. This early take on the modern roller skate used a 2x2 wheel arrangement, and instead of being fastened directly to the skate, the wooden wheels were instead attached to a pivot that had little rubber springs on it. This assembly made for a safer and more enjoyable ride, as skaters could simply lean their weight left or right to curve their path in that direction. Plimpton fine-tuned his rocker skate design by testing them on the floor of his furniture store. Once he had a workable model, he began producing the skates and then renting them to customers in and around New York City. To help drum up support for this new venture, Plimpton also founded the New York Roller Skating Association, the first U.S. club dedicated to the up-and-coming pastime. Plimpton quickly realized that in order for his rental business model to work, he would need to provide his customers with a safe place to skate. This would also help attract young Victorian couples, who were always on the lookout for socially acceptable activities to do together. With this in mind, Plimpton signed a deal with the Atlantic House Hotel in Newport, Rhode Island. The resort had been occupied by the U.S. Naval Academy during the Civil War, but with the fighting having ended in 1865, the hotel was eager to welcome back guests for the summer of 66. Offering a trendy new activity like roller skating seemed like the perfect hook, so the hotel allowed Plimpton to convert its dining room into a skating area. And so, on August 11th, 1866, America's first roller skating rink opened to the public. As expected, the improvised rink drew quite a crowd that summer, and Plimpton made a tidy profit renting skates to families and young couples. After his initial success, other shrewd businessmen began opening purpose-built roller rinks all throughout New England. Plimpton did the same, and in the 1870s, he began touring the various rinks, offering skating lessons for $2 a week, including skate rental. 
He made a great deal of money off his invention, but he also had to spend a lot of it fighting patent infringement cases. The inventor had given the sport a much-needed push in the U.S., but after that, it rolled on just fine without him. In the 1880s, the first mass-produced roller skates hit store shelves, making them more accessible than ever. Of course, not everyone approved of New England's new favorite pastime. For example, one journalist in Lowell, Massachusetts, took issue with his local skating rink in 1884. According to the writer, the rink was, quote, the cause of more and worse immorality in the city than even the music halls. One of his main points of contention was how frequently women seemed to fall while skating. Though to be clear, the author's concern was for their propriety, not their well-being. As he put it, quote, Does it improve a young girl's modesty or morals to fall in a heap on a skating rink floor in the gaze of hundreds, with perhaps her feet in the air and her clothes tossed over her head? Is it good for her proper training to see other females in such a plight? No one bothered responding to that killjoy, and roller rinks continued to gain popularity, both in New England and beyond. Over time, people found new uses for roller skates, too, including roller hockey and speed skating, which eventually led to the idea of competitive roller derbies. Skating remained popular through the Great Depression, but fell out of favor during World War II, when materials were in short supply. The sport rebounded in the 1950s and early 60s as roller skating car hops began delivering meals to customers at drive-ins. But it was with the rise of disco in the 1970s that skating became bigger than ever. In fact, by the end of the decade, there were more than 4,000 roller discos spread across the United States. Of course, as the disco craze subsided in the 1980s, the popularity of roller skating took a dip as well. The hobby re-emerged again in the early 1990s, this time with inline skates, or rollerblades, being the preferred way to wheel around. This return to prominence gave traditional roller rinks a boost as well, but by the 2000s, interest in skating had waned yet again. Today, roller skating rinks aren't as common as they used to be, though plenty are still out there, waiting for you to strap on your skates and hit those parquet floors. It's also worth noting that roller skating in general has undergone yet another resurgence in recent years. The onset of the COVID-19 pandemic led to a massive spike in sales, as people all over the world began looking for fun outdoor diversions to help ward off the quarantine blues. It remains to be seen how long the latest boom period will last, or how long the gap will be until the next one. But if history is any indication, we'll always roll our way back to skating, eventually. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you enjoyed today's show, you might want to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. You can also send any comments or questions you might have to thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thanks to you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class.
from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 